eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. Excited for this edition of the HTC Pod. We've got another East Carolina head coach joining us. Earlier in the week, we talked to baseball coach Cliff Goblin. We previewed the upcoming 2023 baseball season. Well, now we shift our attention back to football, as we often do on this podcast. But instead of me talking about it, answering you guys' questions, well, we got the head man, Mike Houston, heading into his fifth season at East Carolina. He joined the podcast. I talked to him earlier today on Thursday afternoon in his office for about 45 minutes. We chatted about a little bit of everything, big picture college football, NIL, how East Carolina can continue to grow in that front, what he's hearing from his peers about it across the industry. We took a look back at the 2022 ECU football season. I really wanted to take the time as much as possible to dive into Uh, Some of the big sticking points from this past season because I feel like sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle, so to speak, what was accomplished individually as a team as you look at just the the state of college football. It's hard to look back anymore. Everything is just forward, forward, forward thinking and obviously for good reason because you don't have much time to waste. But uh, I did want to focus back on the 2022 season with Coach Houston. We didn't have a ton of time after the bowl in our post-game press conference, so one of the touch on some highlights there. And then, of course, we took an in-depth look into the future transfer portal, the additions that have already been made. We went position by position, talked about several guys, and honestly went a little bit longer than anticipated. Uh, Coach Houston's always gracious with his time. They're about to hit the road recruiting. We worked hard to get this interview in this month, so we didn't have to wait until maybe February when recruiting slowed down a little bit. So really appreciate, first off, Coach Houston taking the time out of his day and really setting us out a full hour uh, to do the, the podcast as he is pretty much booked up uh, every other day, uh, every other hour, you know, for the most part. So I uh, appreciate his time. And let's get to it. 
Uh, let's take a quick break, get some ads in, and then on the other side, we will have our conversation with Coach Houston, uh, where we dive into a little bit of everything on the Hoist the Colors podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, I'm joined now by East Carolina head coach Mike Houston. We have put a bow on the 2022 season, and everybody across college football already uh, in full force looking ahead to 2023. But, Coach, I do want to look back at 2022 before we dive uh, too forward. But just first off, uh, thanks for taking some time to, to join uh, the Hoist of Colors podcast. I know you guys are, are pretty busy these days, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is the craziest kind of end of year, beginning of the year uh, transition that I've ever been through, and it's you know it's it's across the country. Everybody's in the same situation. We talked about it at the uh, convention a few days ago, but it's uh, you know just with uh, the portal windows and uh, the transfers, uh, it is you know really just a lot of guys you know in and out, and uh, you know a lot of things going on. So you know it's a little bit of a different time right now, and uh, but it's one that uh, you know really excited about. Uh, had our first team meeting of the year um, earlier today, and uh, you know I'm 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 excited about spring practice. I'm excited about this group, and uh, just uh, you know can't wait to kind of flip the page from 2022 to 2023. When you got into this business, obviously you know you enjoy coaching, developing uh, young men, that sort of stuff. How much you know has it changed to from your position as a head coach? You know just having to manage it all versus how much you enjoy you know the coaching aspect of it like what is that balance like and is that is that at all frustrating at times well it's obviously a lot different uh animal now than it was you know over a decade ago when i started as a, a head coach at the collegiate level and um you know whether i agree with uh the direction that um you know our sport is headed or not uh you have to evolve and you have to adapt and uh you know that is one of the frustrating things is you know you you spend so much time on other stuff that it's you know you don't quite uh, get the hands-on coach as much as much as you did you know say even even five years ago so but uh you know it's 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 the direction that uh you know the ncaa division one fbs football is going across the country uh and so you know we're we're you know, trying to make sure that we are evolving and adapting uh, along with uh, everything so that we can set East Carolina University up to be, you know, highly successful in the future. You guys just returned from the coaches convention uh, earlier this week. And as you talk to some of your peers in the industry, 
just what was the, the overall consensus of, uh, you know, I guess all this, the portal, NIL, like, th- does anyone, is anyone in favor of it to a certain degree, or is it just, is it something that needs to be kind of looked at from the top down? Well, I think the, the general consensus is there has to be some rules. You know, right now, it's like there are no rules anymore, and, and there is no accountability, you know. It's either, I just think that you've got you to figure out whether it's the NCAA or if it's some other governing body. Uh, you have to have somebody that has, you know, the one, just the, the forward-thinking ability to establish some guidelines and some protocols to say, okay, you can do this, you can't do that, but also to enforce it. You know, whatever rules we have right now, nobody's enforcing them, and that's uh, I think that's that's the consensus that I got uh, from you know coaches nationally is just you know the desire to have guidelines and and somebody enforce the rules, uh, and so I think that's I think we all understand that you know name and image likeness the theory and the thought behind it is very very good, uh, but what is going on right now is not you know what it was intended to be. You know, it was intended to be something to benefit the student athletes, and it's turned into, you know, all the things that got SMU the death penalty, you know, back in the '80s. And so, uh, I just think that there's got to be somebody, uh, some type of governing body, some type of, of of group that can give us all some guidelines for operation, uh, and then ensure everybody is, you know, for the most part, following those guidelines. How much or how many issues have you guys run into recruiting-wise where? Y'all feel like y'all are maybe good with a, a transfer or a player, and all of a sudden, maybe you hear about an NIL story at another school when that player picks that other school. Like, how how frustrating is that? Because you guys, I'm sure, are doing things by the book, uh, but other schools may be taking advantage of, of the situation we just talked about. Well, I mean, I've I've had a couple just you know ask me, and I just said, listen, we don't we're not doing that. I mean, it's I, I want to make sure we take care of our current players first. Uh, you know, before we, uh, you know, get involved in that. And, you know, it's not supposed to be used as a recruiting enticement, uh, but people are. And that's what I mean is, you know, there's there's certain things you're supposed to be doing or not doing. There's not supposed to be any tampering. There's not supposed to be enticement, but there is. Uh, and, you know, there's no enforcement or accountability. So, um, you know, the big thing we want is, and this is what I've told the coaching staff, it's what I shared with I want people that want to be at East Carolina University. Uh, we want uh, young men that we enjoy coaching, that our, our players enjoy being teammates with, uh, and then we want kids that are driven to be great. And uh, we're going to find those guys, and we're going to work together, and that's that's the way we're going to approach it. You know, if if, uh, if somebody all they're interested in is, is money or whatever, then that's probably not going to fit or work around here. I do want, uh, you know, our our donors, um, our, the collective. Uh, I want them to support our student athletes that are here at East Carolina, and we have to do that for our student athletes. Uh, you know, it's it's you know the schools at our level are doing that. Uh, we do have some donors that have you know stood up and said yes, we we support this, uh, and so we want to address you know name and image likeness from that aspect of you know allowing our student athletes to. Uh, you know, be able to take advantage of that and, and to benefit from that here at East Carolina. I do want to talk about the 2022 season and also look ahead to 23, but while we're on the topic, I do think it is important for fans listening 
to understand that, like you said, teams in the American, SMU, UTSA coming in, those teams, their donor base, uh, they have heavily invested in NIL. And that is something that you guys, as you look to compete for conference championships, I think ECU fans need to understand that. Just from your vantage point, how important is it to, you know, to, to reward players, whether it be through that or, or other means, but also find a way to, to, to build that collective to the, the standpoint of it's competitive on the American Athletic Conference scale? Right. I mean, the, the teams we are playing are aggressively uh, moving forward with this, you know, whether it's Memphis, Tulane. Tulane is significantly, you know, they're heavy in the NIL uh, realm. Uh, Rice, UTSA, UAB, you know, SMU, whomever it is. I mean, the, the teams in our conference, you know, they are you know heavily involved in this. And, you know, we all want and expect East Carolina to be uh, at the top of the league. And so if we do want that, then you know we've got to be at the top of the league and in, in all the uh, areas and categories that matter, and this is certainly one that matters. Back-to-back winning seasons for you guys at East Carolina, capped off with a, a bowl victory. I don't know how much time uh, any of us got to enjoy it, but uh, a, a big way to wrap up 2022. And you know, looking back at the last few years, you know, clear signs of the program continuing to, to trend upward. You know, based on wins and losses, competitiveness, that sort of things. Just how happy were you when you look back on the 2022 season as a whole? I Man, I think when you step back from it, I think one the the bowl win was the perfect way to end the season. Uh, not only winning the bowl game, but winning it the way our team did. Uh, and doing so in, in dominant fashion in, in a very physical you know, performance, uh, I think is the perfect way to end 2022. And it's the perfect way for so many of those seniors to finish their careers here. And you know, as, you, as you look back at the season, uh, you know, I, I know that you know, when, I, when I sat here this time last year and I looked at our schedule and I looked at the teams that uh, we were getting ready to face, um, I knew that it was going to be a very, very challenging schedule. And I told our players at the beginning of the fall, there's not a there's not a game on our schedule that we can't win, uh, and there's probably not a game on our schedule that we can't lose. You know, it's going to be tight games week in and week out. And as you sit here on this side of it with an eight win season, um, you know you have to be happy about that. Uh, you know, there there will be people that will say this or that or the other, but I can promise you this: nobody nobody hurts over the close losses more than you know the players and the coaches. And uh, you know that's this this season was probably as as challenging mentally for me as any season I've had because you had such you know massive swings in emotion uh, with some exhilarating wins, uh, four overtimes against Memphis, uh, and you know huge win over Central Florida, uh, huge bowl win, and then you had some excruciating losses, whether it's you know double overtime against Navy, NC State in the opener. You know, or you know, Cincinnati up in up in Cincinnati. You know, our our kids put us in a situation where week in and week out, you know, we had chances to win uh, each week. And so, um, you know, excited about the eight win season. Yes, could you have been one or two kicks away from eleven wins and playing on New Year's Day? Yeah, you could have been. And uh, and then again, some of the other ones could have went the other way as well. So I just think overall. Overall, it's a, a solid season and one that I'm very proud of the players for. Uh, and then you, you put that to put that to bed and, and move on to 2023. A lot of guys uh, moving on from the program, whether it be graduation or declaring for the draft. We'll, we'll kind of touch on some of those. But clearly, Holt Naylor's 
uh, chief among those, five-year career, you know, did it the right way, maybe could have gone elsewhere, but decided to finish up and came into a tough situation before you got here and, and kind of leaves the program in much better shape than he found it. Just, um, I know you've gotten emotional talking about him before, but just seeing him go out the way he did, how much did that mean to you? Well, I mean, could there have been a better storybook ending than uh, the Birmingham Bowl and the in the senior season he had? I mean, that's you know, he came back, you know, a year ago and some change. He told me he was coming back. Uh, and, you know, he came back for a certain reason. And, you know, he had a, a fantastic year statistically. Uh, he had a great year from a leadership standpoint. And then just to finish it with the performance he had in the bowl game, you know, uh, MVP of the bowl game, uh, record-setting performance, uh, you know, it's just it's it's a story a storybook ending to a great career and, you know, I told he and his dad uh, after the game that, you know, that win and this season, you know, 10 years from now, you know, when he comes back, you know, he is, you know, he is a, a guy that's, you know, up there with some of the all-time greats in ECU football history, and he'll be revered by the fan base for forever. And so it's it's a name that you'll, you'll mention with the other greats. And so uh, just you're very proud of him, excited for him, uh, excited for what's next with him. And so I uh, can't wait to see how the Hula Bowl goes and uh, can't wait to see how Pro Day and, and where he ends up. But uh, certainly a great ending to a very, very good career. Keaton Mitchell and C.J. Johnson both with outstanding years as well. Keaton just, uh, I think, over 1,400 yards is a phenomenal year. He decides to, to turn pro as the C.J. You know, kind of take us through what those conversations was like. We, we all kind of realized it was a possibility with both of them. Uh, but what were those conversations like? And then, you know, maybe how tough it is to see them leave? Well, I mean, one, you know, when, when you start having those conversations, uh, what I try to do is I try to provide as much um, education, as much accurate information from NFL scouts, personnel departments, whomever, uh, you know, for, for the player regarding their situation. Uh, and then just, you know, let them weigh it. Uh, but, you know, in, in my talks with both of them, uh, just excited for them. Uh, you know, I, I, I told you know several scouts I could not give a higher character reference than what I would give Keaton Mitchell. Just the way he operated on a daily basis around here. You know, our fans saw the great performance on game days, but to me, equally as impressive is just uh, the young man that Keaton is and the way he conducts his life and, and goes about his business. And so um, excited for both of them. I think it's, um, you know, for both of them, it's the right decision for them. Uh, yeah, I'd love to have them back for another year. Who wouldn't? Uh, I would love to have seen Keaton, you know, break the all-time rushing record. Uh, and he, you know, probably would have done that next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, leaves here after playing two, two and a half, you know, almost three seasons. And, uh, you know, what a great career. And so uh, excited for them. Uh, can't wait to see where they end up. Uh, you know, they'll both get a chance. And so then it's, I've talked to both of them just about, all right, when you get your chance, you know, shoot your shot, you know, go go do it and just make sure you're prepared for this and prepared for that. And uh, I'm going to continue to support them uh, however I can. Uh, I think they both have made uh, wise choices with agents. Uh, and, you know, so they're, you know, in their preparations right now for the combine and pro day. And, uh, you know, look forward to watching uh, watching them as they get their opportunities. 
when you look at guys who came in as kind of one-year transfers like Isaiah Winstead, Justin Red, Chandre Mims, and, and Chance Bates, you know, to me, the, the way they performed would seem to suggest that can be something y'all can sell to future similar recruits. They all came in, had a huge impact. They fit in well with the culture. You know, as you took all those guys, did you see it working out that well? And then how much can y'all maybe use that as a recruiting pitch going forward? Well, I mean, I, I think you have to say that it went pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, are there are there growing pains with, uh, you know, taking a transfer that's only going to be here for one year? Yes. I mean, it's it's you got to, you know, try to get to know them as quickly as you can and try to get some depth to your relationship with them. Uh, but I think it definitely is something that benefited our program uh, and, you know, definitely benefited those players. I think that all four of them certainly took advantage of their opportunity and, uh, and, and made the most of it. And, you know, all four came here for a specific reason, and I think all four would tell you in leaving here that they, they achieved what they, you know, set out to do. And uh, so I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, as you look at it, um, you know, we don't want to live in the portal. You know, uh, you know we're going to sign. We signed a large class of high school kids already. We're continuing to uh, recruit, and we'll continue to sign a few more high school uh, student athletes. Uh, so we want to major in high school players. But uh, you know, in today's college landscape, uh, you know, you you have to you know be active and be productive in the transfer portal in order to uh, maximize your opportunities each year. Looking back at last season for the kind of the, the final summation, we'll start first with the offense. And, you know, first time in program history, you guys have a 3,000 yard passer, 1,000 uh, yard rusher, two 1,000 yard receivers. Uh, I think top 30, top 40 at least in, in multiple offensive categories. And I don't know, for whatever reason, the ECU fans love to give Donnie Kirkpatrick a hard time, but. Uh, you know, he's well-tenured here. Maybe it has something to do with it. They all know his name. But just how happy are you with the state of the offense right now and kind of where, where things are heading there? Well, I mean, you know, statistically, one of the best offensive uh, seasons in school history and program history. And so uh, you have to be excited about it. And it's, uh, you know, especially, you know, finishing the way we did. Um, you know, those last two games, you know, you can't, I mean, you know, 50, 50 points in back-to-back games to finish the year. So that's that's pretty good offensive output. Uh, so, uh, you know, Donnie's done a great job here. He does a great job collaborating with the other offensive coaches. Um, you know, I think you can look at Holton's career, and, you know, he, he improved every single year. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, he's doing a good job in that room. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you look at what you have and you put the pieces together. And, you know, I've, I I sit here and I watch each week the work that's done. And, you know, you couldn't be uh, more excited about just the dedication and, the you know, the, the, the game planning each week. And, you know, did, did it always work out for a win for the Pirates? No. Uh, but, you know, we were one of the better offenses in the country throughout the year. And, uh you know, that kind of production, you know, you hope you have that again next year. Defensively, uh, Blake Harrell's unit, really, really good again stopping the run and maybe as, as good as you guys have been. And it seemed like to me, like as the season progressed, teams were just like, all right, they can stop the run, let's just throw it every down. And teams had success through the air uh, against you guys at times on the back end. So uh, defensively, kind of your, your thoughts on the season um, and, and maybe – you know what you guys want to clean up on the back end, or whether it be pass rush or, or pass coverage with those things. 
Well, I think, uh, you know, with with that side of the ball, I think there's a lot of positives and there's some things we need to do better. Um, I think we had some great performances against really, really good offenses. Uh, you know, you look at the quarterbacks we faced, uh, you know, it's, it's I mean, it's this the real hit list now. I think, you know, eight of them are, you know, some of the top quarterbacks in the country. And so uh, you faced a potent schedule from a, from an offensive output uh, situation there. So I think that you had some great performances throughout the year. Um, and then, you know, some things that we obviously have to improve on. Uh, I think that continuing to, you know, do a better job with, uh, you know, being able to pressure the quarterback, uh, you know, part of that obviously is something we need to look at with scheme. Some of that could be that we need to, you know, make sure that we uh, have have better personnel when it comes to pass rush. Um, I think that, uh, you know, at, at times we did a real good job in the secondary. At times, you know, we got, uh, you know, we, we need to play better. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, just taking a good look at everything this off season, uh, you know, evolving, you know, continuing to look at ways that we can do a better job, you know, continuing to do a better job developing our players. Um, so I would say that, uh, you know, you had, uh, you know, a lot of positives on that side of the ball and some things we need to clean up. <clears throat> Special teams wise, everybody knows, you know, the, the kicking situation and especially early in the year that it costs you guys some, some games. Uh, I thought maybe that overshadowed how good you were guys or how good you guys were at, at coverage. I know the one at Cincinnati got away, but really if you look at it, y'all y'all covered the kick well, the tackle just wasn't made, maybe a, a missed block in the back. Um, but as you look at that side of the ball, is it you know personnel that you look at evaluating as far as the kicking game and I don't know how much you evaluate the holding and snapping but as you look at that situation what did you kind of make of, of what happened in 22? Well I think uh, that situation you have a lot of things that we did really really well and a few things that you didn't do well um, you know it's uh, uh, sometimes people choose just to focus on the negative so let's let's talk about some of the positives first I mean I think kickoff return we were significantly improved uh, not only do we, you know, return one for a touchdown. I mean, you had a lot of, uh, you know, really, you know, substantial returns, especially the latter half of the year. So I think that you really improved drastically with your kickoff return team. Uh, I think outside of the one kick against um, Cincinnati, uh, your kickoff coverage unit did a great job throughout the year. And I think again late in the season we improved a good bit you know with that unit so uh, I think those two right there uh, you know really had solid years um, punt unit you know you got you got two two punts on the year that uh, you know you got to do a better job with uh, and certainly we got to look at uh, everything you know with that unit uh, you know in the off season we need you know better performance from the guys you know, on the unit uh, but we also I think you got to take a look at uh, you know, how can you do a better job from a coaching standpoint also? Uh, I think punt return, uh, a little bit the same way. Uh, I think Malik uh, has shown himself to be a solid punt return guy. I think we've got to look at ways we can do a better job, uh, you know, with him. And also, I want to see us get back to being more aggressive uh, from a punt rush standpoint. You know, we have been, we've blocked some punts in the past, and you know, didn't really uh, threaten to do that this year, and so I think it's just a, a, a look at you know just being better with that unit. Um, you know, you had a returning uh, first-team All-Conference kicker. 
Uh, you know, I don't think anybody anticipated Owen struggling the way he did. Uh, you know, uh, early in the year, um, I think that uh, Andrew did a, a good job uh, when he took over midseason and certainly hit some big kicks down the stretch. Uh, but that's uh, a situation right there where uh, you know you're you're going to have competition this spring. Uh, you'll have competition uh, at all three. Uh, specialist positions, whether it's snapper, holder, or kicker, uh, you'll have competition this spring with that. You know, Josh Murphy, who was going to be our starting holder last year, he's back from injury, so you know he and Luke and David will they'll compete this spring for the holding job. You'll have you know multiple guys competing for the kickoff or the the place kicking job. Uh, you know, Lath Margin took over late in the year with a kickoff uh, uh, role, so you'll see competition there. So I think the the biggest thing we got to do is just have have true competition and improve with our specialists. Looking at next year, and you've kind of already said that at least Mason Garcia will go into the off season as the the presumed starter, and of course he'll have to earn it like anybody will each day in practice. But what has given you the confidence to to make that statement uh, with Mason thus far? Standing out there on the practice field, watching him every day, you know, seeing his improvement, seeing his growth, uh, you know, it's. Uh, the, the great thing about the bowl practices is, you know, you got the extra time with him. And I th- really thought he came along and really thought he played uh, well throughout those bowl practices. Um, and, you know, every, everybody, why, did, why didn't he play more? Why didn't he play it well? You know, what? It's, that's the one position where it's difficult to rotate guys. Uh, and, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's easy to sit up in the sands and stay, say you should. But when, it's, when the ball game's down there and you got your quarterback that's your starter and it's playing at a high level, and the game's tight, uh, you know, it's it's hard to rotate a guy in there. Uh, and I will be every bit as loyal to Mason Garcia as I was to Holton Aylers. You know, it's it's Mason's uh, opportunity now. Uh, certainly Alex is going to compete with him uh, this spring. Raheem is going to try to get a good handle on the playbook this spring. Uh, you know, obviously we need to add some more depth to that room. So, you know, we're looking for who else we can bring in to compete uh, in that room. But I could not be more excited for uh, you know Mason Garcia's opportunity, and uh, I, I feel that he will take the opportunity and he will run with it, and uh, and can't wait to watch that. He's been you know with the program now three years. Do you feel like he, he knows the offense at this point? It's just a matter of him seeing defenses and playing live bullets to, to really kind of I don't know gauge where he is and see that growth. Well, he knows the offense, and uh, and he is uh, he, he has improved so much. Uh, now the one thing is, you know, the offense this past year was tailored to Holt Nailers, and it was tailored to his strengths, and it was tailored to you know cover up any places that want a strength for him. Uh, now you're going to do the same thing for Mason. So not that it's going to be a drastically different offense, but it will be a different offense, and you will you will ask things of Mason that you did not ask of Holton, and there are things that you ask of Holton that you will not ask of Mason. Uh, so. You know, this I know, Mason is 6'5", 250. He can run, he has loose hips, and he has a cannon arm, and he is a a driven competitor. And so there's lots of things you can do with an athlete like that. And so our offense will be tailored to fit Mason Garcia, Alex Flynn, uh, Raheem Jeter, uh, and then, you know, if we add another quarterback, I would say we'll try to add somebody that's in that mold. When you look at the running back position beyond – Keaton Mitchell now with Rajay coming off the, the knee injury 
how tough is it maybe to, I don't know, ex- obviously you guys expect him back at some point next season, but you almost have to, I don't know, continue to build depth in that room, look for other guys to step up, which you guys have done. You'll add a, a, a grad transfer and Gerald Green from Georgia Southern, Marlon Gunn coming back. So do you feel good about the, the numbers in that room, the depth in that room? I feel very good about that room. You know, Rajay, he will be back and he will be fine. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, the great thing about this spring is while he's continuing to rehab, you know, you get, number one, an opportunity to continue to bring Marlon along. He played as a true freshman with no spring practice and, you know, preseason camp to get ready. And so I think he was exceptional, you know, especially considering, you know, when Rajay went down, all of a sudden he had a lot of, you know, weight put on his shoulders. Uh, I thought he had a great freshman year. Uh, Camaro Edmonds, I'm excited about getting him out there and getting to work with him. Uh, and you know, continue to develop him and really challenge him that uh, he needs to step up uh, and be a guy that we can depend on. Uh, Gerald Green, you mentioned just a minute ago, uh, you know, Gerald is a proven uh, commodity at Georgia Southern. Uh, he brings experience. He brings just a tough physical runner that has you know, really good top-end speed. Uh, really, really excited about Javius Bond, the mid-year uh, you know, true freshman, because he has you know, a lot of the it factor that uh, Keaton had. You know, he's got that electric speed. He's put together. Uh, he is a dynamic athlete, so excited to have him this spring. So, you know, really, you know, those four guys right there are really going to be competing to see, you know, who is going to be the guy competing with Rajay for the starting job. Uh, certainly, you know, Pop McKay and Nemo Squires are also in the room, uh, along with you know, uh, C.J. Joyner and Grayson Clue. Uh, so, you know, those guys, uh, you know, they'll be challenged to, listen, you've got to play at a high level if you're going to be in this room and you're going to be playing, you know, with these guys. Uh, the one thing that I will say about all of them, they all have an opportunity. That's one thing everybody in this program has is an opportunity. It is up to them to do something with that opportunity. You know, so if you look up and a guy's, you know, doesn't, doesn't play or whatever, it's because he has not taken advantage of his opportunity. But they all get a fair shake. And it seems that way at multiple positions where y'all have had guys that y'all have recruited that are have been in the program, you know, whether it be one, two, three years that have developed. And y'all have maybe, you know, question marks or so to speak at certain positions with experience proven guys moving on. But do you see this offseason as a chance for those guys to say, hey, you've been waiting your time. Now show us why you, you deserve it. Absolutely. And I don't care what position you're talking about. I think you got guys in every position room where you have an opportunity now. What are you going to do with that opportunity? Uh, and I, you know, shared with you know one young man earlier today. You know, I don't know how every other program in the country is run, but here's what I do know: around here, if you earn it, then you get it. So you want to play? Go out there and earn it on the on the practice field. Earn it during workouts. You know, the one thing is. You know, everybody wants to play on game day, but you got to want to be driven to be the best day in and day out in order to earn that opportunity to play on game day. So uh, they all get a, a chance. Uh, I don't care if they're a walk-on. We you know we've had we've had multiple walk-ons have been put on scholarship in the last two years here because they have earned it. And so you know, so it's it's one of those things where I don't care if you're a scholarship kid, a walk-on, a first-year kid, a fourth-year kid, doesn't matter. Everybody has an opportunity. We touched on C.J. moving on, and obviously Isaiah Winstead has exhausted his eligibility, so two 1,000-yard receivers done. And 
another position with opportunity. Y'all do add uh, Ryan King from Georgia Tech as a transfer. Uh, first, what, what did y'all see that y'all liked about him? Another guy with, with good size. And then as you look at the rest of that room going forward, any guys you anticipate maybe taking a leap? Well, I think Ryan has uh, great size. Uh, he has long arms, uh, very good ball skills. Uh, and then he is an explosive athlete that can really run. So, you know, the, the tape that I, uh, I've watched – I've watched game tape, I've watched practice tape, I've watched all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, he has some God-given ability that uh, are going to give him an opportunity to really be a great receiver in this league. So excited to be adding him to that room. Um, excited to have Jalen Johnson back and healthy. Uh, excited uh, that Josiah Hatfield came on the way he did last year. I think Brock Spaulding and Kerry King, two young guys, both showed a lot of potential and a lot of promise down the stretch. Uh, they were both really solid during uh, bowl prep, and both of them made plays in the bowl game. Um, you know, Jarrett Gardner, you know, really going to challenge him uh, to take advantage of this opportunity, uh, to take advantage of this uh, situation here. Uh, and then, you know, we have three freshmen that we signed, Malik Levert, Nate Branch, and Zion Agnew. They'll be here uh, this summer. Um, you have some guys that I think have an opportunity in that room Jari Patterson had a good bowl prep uh, practice and, and, and was eligible to play for the bowl game. Josh Murphy coming back off of injury, he'll, you know, he'll be back out there running around uh, some this spring. Uh, you have some of those freshmen uh, that'll get an opportunity, uh, and then I do see us uh, adding to that group uh, in May. And uh, but you know the guys that are here this spring, they're going to get an opportunity to establish themselves, and really they're going to dictate. You know what? What else we look for in May with the available scholarships we have in that room? Offensive line wise, we haven't touched on the uh, the change with obviously Steve Shankweiler stepping away from coaching. Will remain with you guys in a support role, uh, but Alan Mogard just had the chance to meet him on the way up here. I've heard nothing but great things about him. So before we dive into maybe the personnel, just how excited are you to bring Alan on? Well, you know when when Shank and I started talking about you know his uh, desire to transition. Uh, off the field, um, you know, once you know that became something that was going to happen, uh, I made one phone call, and I've known Alan for a long time. Uh, the situation worked out where uh, it, it, he was he was looking as I was looking, and uh, you know, it's it, it's it's he's the he's the one I wanted for that room, and uh, and he wanted to be here, so it worked out perfectly. So. Uh, Again, I've, I've known him for a long time. I've watched what he's done uh, at multiple schools up and down the East Coast. Uh, he's, he has significant experience in this league. You know, UCF, Temple, South Florida. Uh, he, he has experience in the ACC. Uh, he just he is he has done it at so many places at such a high level. And that was really, you know, that's the comments I got. You know, at the convention this past week is once once it got out that he was. Uh, our new offensive line coach, uh, you know, just people right and left, just you know, just really impressed with him, and just think that think that he's a great fit for us. I know you guys probably want to add to the O line room, uh, you know, at some point this off season as well, with maybe a transfer or two, but a pretty solid group of still guys returning, even with some starters moving on. Y'all have recruited that position pretty well, and some experienced starters returning. Um, just how content or happy are you with that room and? Uh, with some guys coming back specifically on the interior? Well, I think there's there's a lot of room for excitement uh, or a lot of a lot of reason for excitement in that room with, 
you know, four solid guys that have played a lot of ball uh, that are coming back. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, excitement in that room because of a, a really talented young group of linemen, uh, some that are already here, some that will, uh, you know, get here uh, this, uh, this spring. Um, and then, you know, there is a need, you know, so you, I think you, you are looking to add a couple of guys, uh, older players to that room because, you know, those young ones, although I'm excited and think they will be fine in time, uh, some of them are maybe ready to play. They'll show that this spring. Some of them may not be quite ready yet. And it's uh, offensive line is a position where you, you can't bring them along too fast. Uh, they really have to develop physically, uh, especially in this conference. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, the one thing that stood out to me in the bowl game was just, uh, you know, our lines were dominant. And it's, that is, that's because in this league, the fronts are big, they're physical, and it's week in and week out. You have got to have, you know, big physical, uh, you know, players uh, on your fronts in order to be able to compete. I think Hampton Ergo might be one of the biggest centers I've ever seen. Uh, standing, watching him snap the ball to Holton, uh, I heard that he was maybe placed on scholarship after the game. Is that uh, is that true? And if so, what was that moment like? Well, he wasn't. You know, I had told Hampton, you know, probably, you know, the fa final third of the season. You know, he and I had a conversation. I told him he would be on scholarship. Uh, you know, moving forward, and so, uh, you know, I thought the. The bowl game ended the way I wanted it to. I wanted to, you know, tell the other players in there after the game and, and celebrate with Hampton because. And I told him in the locker room. I said, I said, uh, I told our coaching staff this morning that if we win tonight, you will have played well. Uh, and I thought he played very well in the bowl game, first career start. Uh, and I'm telling you, you, you talk about a kid that really, you know, he snapped throughout the year, but really he started playing centered late in the season. And then to go out and have a really solid performance in the bowl game, uh, it really gives you confidence moving forward in him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy, hey, you talk about earning it, you know, nothing was given to him. He came here as a walk-on, multiple years on the scout team, uh, last year and this year traveled, uh, and then, you know, this year starting to play. Uh, you know, nobody gave that kid anything. He earned everything he got. Uh, feel very good about him moving forward to next year especially when you talk about putting him and, and Isaiah and Nashad, you know, those three in there in the middle. Uh, I think Jacob Saker is a guy that I really have high hopes for this spring. I mean, you are going to be really big and physical in the middle of your offensive line. Um, you know, feel good about Parker Moore at tackle. I thought he had a really good performance in the bowl game and, and really uh, has a lot of potential to be a, a really high-end player. Uh, you just got to figure out who our other tackle is. When you look at defensively, I want to talk about some of the, the transfers you guys are bringing in before we wrap this thing up. And um, really like the what y'all have done at linebacker, getting you know longer and more athletic there. Taekwon King coming in from A and T, and B J Davis coming in from South Carolina State, along with uh, Ra Ra Dilworth from North Carolina. So those three guys, just um, if you could take us through kind of what you saw from them and, and what they could add to your defense. Well, first I'm, I'm excited about the the players we have in the linebacker room. Uh, you know, Taylor Jackson, I thought, you know, played solid down the stretch and, you know, really may have played as well as any linebacker in the bowl game. Uh, so, you know, excited about him. I, we have some really good young players, Zakai Barker, Jackson, uh, Jackson Barker. Uh, we signed two really high-end uh, uh, high school kids and DJ Johnson and Julian Davis, Jamari Young, 
uh, is here and with us in the program as a walk-on. So I'm really excited about those guys. You know, the thing that stood out, though, is, you know, as I will go through that list, Taylor's the only older one. All the rest of them are really young. And so we felt like we had to add some experience to that room. And so adding uh, Taquan and, and BJ, who both were all-conference players at the FCS level, uh, they're both older players. Uh, you know, I think that's that really helps you uh, as far as you know, what you're going to put on the field next fall. I think Rara I recruited him out of high school. He still has a lot of eligibility left, uh, really high-end ability. Uh, and so you know, he's a guy that I do expect to be an impact player. So now I think all of a sudden you've turned that room into one that is very solid for this upcoming year, but also it should be solid for the next four or five years with the youth and the quality youth in that room. And looking at the secondary, you guys have also added some pieces there and a lot of guys with with opportunities now with uh, some corners moving on uh, for different reasons. Also, Jaira Wilson, you know, entering the portal and then Gerard Stringer graduating. So as you look at the, the secondary as a whole, we talked about opportunity earlier and I think uh, you know, maybe outside of a couple guys returning who have kind of been stalwarts there, it'll be a, a fun, fun off season. Yeah, it will. And I think uh, I think you have three very solid, proven starters in Julius Wood, Tegan Wilk, and Malik Fleming. Uh, so I think you're you're solid with those three right there. I think you have Siobhan Ravel, who I mean, I'm telling you, I thought he played great in the bowl game. Uh, he really came on late in the year. I think he has an extremely high ceiling. So, you know, you're excited about those guys right there. I'm excited about Isaiah Brown-Murray. Uh, I'm excited to get Tamir Brown added in that corner room. Uh, Fletcher Marshall, it's a big spring for him. Jamani Wilson, it's a big spring for him. So I think you've got some guys that now have opportunity this spring to show that they deserve to be out there on the field with those other three guys. Uh, I think at, uh, at the safety position, I'm excited to see what Kingston McKinstry and Brandon Higgs and Devin King are going to do. Ty Moss came on late in the year. You've got uh, Jordan Huff, who is recovering well from his uh, you know, really tough injury a year ago. So you have a lot of guys right there that are going to be competing this spring along with you know, the new guys you've added in. Dontavious Nash from North Carolina has a lot of eligibility left and has a very high ceiling. Uh, Omar Rogers, a little bit more of a proven commodity, uh, a guy that's played at a high level, all-conference player from Elon and the CAA, which I have a lot of respect for that league. Uh, and so you have some guys that are, you know, there to compete, older players. So I think that you're really solid. You just got to figure out who goes where, you know, which, who goes to the, the nickel safety, who's going to be your boundary safety, who's going to be that other corner, uh, who's going to be the next guy, you know, you know, Ty Moss, is he ready to take that next step? I hope so. So that's, I'm really excited about our secondary for the spring just to see how everybody performs. We go over all those names and all those opportunities. On the, the defensive front, you all have a, a really established group coming back. And I guess if you're, if you're a coach, you want one area to be 100% solid, just that defensive front. And you guys build it up in the 2020 class. You all brought in a ton of D linemen. Those guys have been in the program now. So can you at least sleep a little bit easier knowing all those guys are back up front? There's no doubt. That's, that's you know, what, what are we looking for? Well, I'll tell you what we're not looking for. I mean, I, I love our defensive tackle room. I love the edge guys that we have. Uh, I've told Alan Mogridge, I said, one thing I can promise you, when we get ready to go to inside run, you better have your guys ready to go because, you know, that, that front, 
uh, right there, Coach Tesh's guys and Coach Dow's guys. You know, they are, they are big, they are strong, they are physical, and and they have the attitude and the demeanor that we want to play with. So, uh, I love that group, uh, all, all of them. And uh, you know, it's it's I think it's the strength of our defense. Uh, you know, to a degree, it's the strength of our team. And I say that from a standpoint of just those guys, and I, I keep talking about them as a group because really they are a tight-knit group. Just the character and the core values of that group is what our program is about. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited about them. The one thing I've got to be careful of now, they're all going to graduate about the same time, so we got to be you know, we still got a year or two left before we got to worry about that, but we better start preparing for it. But uh, that is certainly, you know, something that helps us sleep at night. Coach, next season you guys are, are scheduled to open at the Big House at Michigan. Um, Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to make sure John Gober still wants to play that game after scheduling it years ago. But uh, uh, it, it's a big opportunity. I know quite a challenge, but. Uh, I guess it, if there's a way to, to get ready for a season opener, uh, you don't have to worry about that with your guys. I mean, they'll be ready, or they'll you know they'll have plenty to look forward to heading into September. Absolutely. I mean, it's you know you want opportunity, you got it. Okay. Uh, you know, not only is it, it playing in the big house at Michigan, but you know they're you know back to back you know Big Ten champions in the college football playoff this year. Uh, so you know that's they 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 really have that program at, at the highest point that's been in decades, uh, and so uh, it's a great opportunity for us. And you know that's you know I can promise you this: none of, none of our kids are going back down from it. So they'll be excited to go play, uh, and uh, you know we'll be we'll be excited for the opportunity. So a lot of work to do between now and then, but uh, you know a great way to start the season. Coach, we appreciate the time. We know it's precious this time of year. You guys as a staff. Uh, Y'all work a lot of hours, especially now with the portal, recruiting. Spring ball will be here before you know it. Uh, we went about 45 minutes today, so we appreciate your time on the Hoisty Colors podcast, as always. Well, just uh, excited about uh, pirate football and uh, excited to uh, to be at East Carolina. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the fans that are passionate about us, a lot of them listen to this podcast. And so I just want to tell them that uh, I'm thankful to be here and uh, I'm really excited about 2023 and can't wait to get started. That is head coach Mike Houston. That'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named sylvie she's a can model where desire leads to deception i ended up spending 12 and 15 thousand dollars a day it was addictive i can't get you out and obsession leads to murder who did this to your family you can't really maintain a fantasy forever control all desire now streaming on paramount plus